Good morning. This is Tom Clark with the Father's Heart again. This will be our seventh podcast, and uh, actually the eighth now with um, my good friend Dave Henderson. And we're going to be talking about the founding fathers and how the founding fathers wanted leaders who were shepherd kings. You know, Dave, I was telling you that the last uh, Sunday I was listening to my pastor talk about shepherds and how shepherds in the Old Testament, and not throughout scripture, but mostly predicated on the Old Testament, were, um, though they were despised in the culture for being lowest level, I'd say job or skill or uh, uh, profession, if you call it a profession, uh, was being a shepherd, that many, if not most, of the leaders of Israel were shepherds. We always think of David as being a shepherd. And we know that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. But there were many more of the leaders of Israel that were shepherds. And the connection that I had in my mind was as he described shepherds, or why would God want shepherds to be leaders? What's the connection there? What's the training that you get as a shepherd that allows you to be a good leader? And he said, well, the, the things about shepherd that are most characteristics were the same characteristics of being a good father. That's what we're going to be talking about is the father's heart. A good shepherd is someone who protects and provides for the sheep. And they learn how to do that. So they, um, it's, it's, in a, it's in a man's heart to learn how to protect the sheep from the wolves and the lions and the bears, like, just like David did. And also how to provide water and food and shelter and everything for them. So I thought that was a um, interesting connection between uh, fathers and uh, their characteristics and shepherds and their characteristics, and they basically overlap each other. They're very much, they're almost exactly the same. And how important it is to exhibit those characteristics out of your heart in order to be a good leader. The other thing that we began to talk about was how um, the very first witnesses of the Lord on the earth were shepherds. Why? Why were they shepherds? Why did the angel appear to the shepherds? And if we step back and look at the connections, Jerusalem was approximately six miles north of Bethlehem. Between Jerusalem and Bethlehem were the fields where sheep were raised. But between one and two miles north of um, Bethlehem, there was a very, very special field where the Levitical shepherds were raising Passover lambs. And they took extra care with those Passover lambs because those Passover lambs had to be without blemish, as we know from the scriptures. So what did those shepherds do to take extra special care of those lambs? They wrapped them in swaddling clothes. So think of this picture, that Jesus himself, born in a manger, in a cave, which we believe was right in the same field as the Passover lambs were being raised, a mile to two miles north of Bethlehem. And it was in that field, in that cave, where the Passover lambs were, were wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And it was there that the angels appeared to the shepherds who were taking care of them. 
And those symbols and those characteristics um, give insight into the heart of God and how important shepherds are and consequently how important fathers are because the characteristics of protection and provision is um, made evident in those, in those people's lives. So I want to shift the conversation at this point over towards the political sphere. Now we've talked a lot about multiple mountains of influence, but today I want to talk about the mountain of uh, government, not so much politics, but more, more important than government than it's politics. And I want to talk about how uh, the founding fathers wanted leaders who saw themselves as shepherd kings. And you were giving us really good insight, David, when we talked about before, about um, what the founding fathers had in mind with the governance of the United States of America and how they built the Constitution all around putting the, uh, the power, if you will, in the hands to be governed in the hands of the people. Yeah, one of the things that um, we took a lot of our influences from and the founding fathers did was ancient history. And one of the great uh, things they drew on was Socrates' idea of the government being run by shepherd kings, individuals that had a shepherd's heart towards the people that held the position of being a king. And this is in a day when anybody that was a king basically was a tyrant. And so the founding fathers, and especially Thomas Paine, uh, took this concept, they changed the, the words a little bit, and they came to the idea of citizen or farmer representatives, that the idea was that you needed to have somebody who had spent time working the land in the real world, working, because that's what the majority of America was, basically until World War II, the majority of America, or the, until the flood of immigrants came into America right, right before World War II, was about 75% people living in or associated with farming communities. So we had a mass majority of people that understood the idea of the importance of taking care of animal husbandry. Mm -hmm. And so this was always a basis of God's leadership. You know, David being called the shepherd king, right? This is always a basis of God's leadership where you learn that you have to nurture. And I wanted to read a, a scripture out of Zechariah um, chapter 13, verse 7. It says this, and this is God speaking. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. That's a, that's a powerful thing, but it gives you a picture, first of all, of what you've been saying in these broadcasts where we've been trying to bring across is the first step, let's just take the concept of a shepherd and let's call it a father here. A Waco sword against my father, against a man that's my father, right? Someone who's a father and a man who is my fellow. God uh, wants the man that's going to be the father to be the one to take the hit. He doesn't want that hit to fall on the children. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want that hit to fall on the wife. He's the defender. He's the defender. And men have got to rise up to this and they've got to be supported in this and encouraged in this. And then it says here further, it says, it says, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn my hand on the little ones. 
And what happens is as the shepherd bears the burden of taking on this position, or as a father bears the burden, God unveils to that individual. Once they're paying that price, what it is they need to do in the lives of their family and their children to, to teach them the proper way to lead and direct their children. I saw an ad uh, a couple of years ago um, uh, about Donald Trump. And the ad uh, was a picture of him, full facial picture of him with pointing at the camera. And he says, it's not me they're going after, it's you. I'm just standing in the way. And that was really encapsulized the picture of a man who was acting as a shepherd, or let's just say as a father. And he was a father to the citizens of the United States. That's why in his inauguration address, if you listen closely, back in January 2017, where he said, I'm bringing the power back to the people. I'm giving back to the people the, the right and the ability to govern. And I'm taking it away from the deep state actors and these uh, bureaucrats who are basically running the country as global uh, and basically elitists who have this globalist philosophy and this well, actually elitist philosophy and uh, that they um, the one world order and the, uh, the idea of being globalists but the people who are running that that process are coming from a peop, uh, philosophy that they know better than we do how to govern ourselves and you quite accurately pointed out that we're not there to elect leaders, we're there to elect representatives. Mm -hmm. And that's a completely different thought process that we're electing leaders who are acting as shepherds slash fathers to uh, uh, basically protect us and provide for us in the best way possible. But because of this uh, distortion that has happened, by the way, I wanted to mention also a personal experience I had a number of years ago, 15 years ago, I. Uh, was talking to a very wealthy man who was a, close to a billionaire in his day. And uh, I had a technology company I was trying to get funding for. And he sent me to speak to uh, his investment advisor in Manhattan, in New York. So I called him the investment advisor up and I uh, was talking about the funding for my company. And we got into this conversation philosophically about different things. And I could tell he was a young man. He couldn't have been more than 30, 30 35 years old. And the investor was at that time close to 75 or 80, uh, probably close to 80 years old. And in the discussion, this young investment advisor who was an elitist used the expression, the great unwashed. It was the first time I ever heard of it. And it just turned my stomach to think that somebody thought that way and that he was representing very, very wealthy people. And that's how they thought. And I think that's got... Uh, distilled into uh, Washington, D.C. and our current government thinking. They think of people as the great unwashed. You know, I want to um, look at this particular point you're making. We look at the great heroes of our society that have done great things. And I, and I think particularly uh, since uh, his uh, grandnephew lives with us, Audie Murphy, and Audie Murphy was a young man who came off a ranch in Texas, working with livestock. That's what he did before he joined. He joined actually joined the army 
at 16, got kicked out because he was too young, and then came back in when he turned old enough to, to go to war. But he had been in there. Was the greatest hero of World War II. And right before him, the greatest hero of World War I was Sergeant York, who was raised on a farm. Mm-hmm. We got these guys that you go, you go down and you see these uh, citizen farmers, mm-hmm. these guys that were there with the ground, with the livestock. They were there with the sheep. This, this is where God found that he could work the greatest because people learned that basic reality is you get to know your sheep by time. You get to know your sheep by time. There is no instant shortcut shortcut on this matter. You spend time with the sheep. You take care of the sheep. The shepherds, you always see the great picture of Jesus carrying the sheep on his shoulders. The shepherds, whenever the sheep would not uh, hear his voice, the shepherd would carry him on his shoulders until he heard the voice of the, of the shepherd and understood it and was able to respond to it. And you speak to your sheep. You don't scream at your sheep. You don't go crazy on your sheep. You speak to your sheep. And when you have children, it's basically the same way. Children and I have the friends of mine that I've had that have actually worked as shepherds for periods of time have always told me crazy stories about sheep that always remind me of my kids at a certain age, how they do particular things. And sheep are, are famous for this kind of stuff. Where a sheep, uh, one friend was telling me, he, had, he would sometimes run sheep through a chute There'd be like 100 sheep and he put a stick in front of the first one. It would jump and he pulled the stick out. And all 99 behind him would jump in the same spot because they're just following. And uh, and we are built that way. And that's why we need to hear the voice of the shepherd. And that's why we as fathers in society need to take a hold of the culture. We need to take a hold of the culture. Mm-hmm. We need to redirect it into the direction that can bring the next generation, not just our children, but our children's children, we want to leave an inheritance to them of understanding what will give us sustainable life for, for generations so the gospel can freely go out and the gospel can freely uh, be built in our society. We need to return back to that and get rid of this elitist cadre of individuals who really do look down their nose on us. If you look at, at all of the last 20 years, we've been in a constant state of war and almost all Almost all of our soldiers have come out of what we call the red states, the flyover country. It's the guys that either come off the farms, they come out of the they come out of the rural areas of this country, and they've learned how to live a normal life, and they're here to defend the freedom for everybody else who doesn't actually appreciate, who basically looks down her nose, like Hillary looked down her nose at those people coming back from Benghazi and lied to the parents about why they died. Purposely. And so we have all the deplorables, deplorables called everybody out here, deplorables, uh, uh, Biden called us chumps. I mean, we're the individuals who are willing to defend and care about freedom and pass it down generation to generation in our society are those that are good fathers that are willing to stand up as men in society, not just in the home, but that they realize they have to stand up in both the home and society. We can't withdraw. You know, I see in scripture that one of the most um, important ways that God shows his love for us is by giving us free will, freedom to choose. And America as a nation 
was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the idea of liberty and freedom is so paramount to who we are as a people and who we are as a nation, uh, the expression of a nation that America has always been and will continue to be, because I believe that God is behind America uh, for multiple reasons, but not the least of which is the connection between America and Israel in terms of his timepiece of, of God and timekeeping of history. I would also report on something that someone said to me that I found very sad, and um, and I think something that uh, highly motivates me to take action. And that was that uh, I had a friend of mine that is uh, 65 years old, and uh, he was retiring. And uh, he said to me, this is the last election I'm going to vote in. His name is Michael, first thing. I said, why, why would that be? He said, because when I see the corruption in the election process, I come to the conclusion that my vote doesn't matter because I, I'll go to the polls and I'll, you know, do my time and effort, but because of the corruption in the election process itself, my vote doesn't mean anything because they'll just manipulate, they'll manipulate the votes to get the people in there that they want. And they're not bringing in shepherd kings. Mm. They're not bringing in fathers. They're not bringing in shepherd kings. They're putting in people in positions of political power that will uh, sing from the same sheet of music that will um, be the opposite of, of shepherds. They'll do lockdowns. They'll do social distancing. They'll use basically any excuse, pandemic or whatever, to take away our freedoms and to exercise tyranny over the people believing in their hearts that they know best. They know what's good for us. They know what's right for us. They're going to protect us from the mm -hmm. coronavirus or protect us from some mm -hmm. trumped up situation, no pun intended, uh, to uh, uh, save us from something, uh, create fear within us, and then take away uh, our freedoms to give us a purported form of uh, uh, security. When there's no security at all, we don't have to protect it. You know, uh, people naturally have the right to choose how they're going to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And it should not be something that's forced upon them. So um, I thought that was sad. He said that, but in my prayer and at times that I'm talking about, I'm, I'm believing that God's not going to give, has not given up on America. It's not into the person of Donald Trump. Although I do, I believe he's God's anointed. Uh, it's for the things that he represents uh, in our country on all the different levels of thoughts, uh, whether it be pro-life or, or border control or uh, building the wall and all the numerous things that he represents and stands for are what a shepherd king would stand for, not for something against or what a father would stand for. So what's your comments about the election process? Um, you know, I, I can't help but uh, think this year, and this is really one of the first years that I've spent much time meditating on this point, is my birthday just happened to fall on the first day of Hanukkah. And not being Jewish, I don't really celebrate Hanukkah, but I'm aware of Hanukkah and its meaning. And I was thinking about this year especially, because of all the lockdowns, all of the refusal things going on, I was thinking about Hanukkah started with Antiochus Epiphanes coming into Israel because he was kicked out of Egypt by the Roman government. 
and he was on a rampage on his way back, right? So he grabs a hold of the Jewish people and he says to them, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. And one of the things he said is you're not going to raise Paschal lambs anymore. And he offered pig. He sacrificed the pig on the brazen altar mm -hmm. and then made them offer pig's blood. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden he puts this thing on there. Then he goes to his country, leaves his cadre of individuals in charge of the land and they go down to this little town not far from Jerusalem called Modi. And there was a man, Mattathias, an 80-something-year-old man who had five sons. And he was a priest. He was a Levite. He was the priest of the city. Of that little, it's not really a city, it's just a little village area. And he got so enraged at what was being promoted by these Greeks. Now, these are the this is the Greek. Antiochus's family was one of the you know generations coming down from Alexander from Alexander the Great, one of the generals, right? And he had just been down there with Ptolemy, driving Ptolemy into a corner in Egypt, and yet the Romans said, "Don't do it." So he goes back. These guys are hardened warriors, and this eighty, maybe eighty-two year old man, enrages, kills several of the Syrian. I mean, what they call Syrian, but they're really uh, the Greek soldiers. And a revolution starts, and his middle son, Judas, uh, takes over, and they started calling Judas, his middle son, Judas the Hammer, or Maccabee. That's what, that's what the, the, the Maccabees. Word, yeah, the Maccabees, right? That word hammer is the, uh, the Greek word for uh, hammer, Maccabees. So this, this generations went down. They restored within a, within a short period of time. Within three years, they restored the temple back to where it was supposed to be. And of course, we know the story of the lights burning for eight days. It burned for eight days because not only did they no longer have the raising of the Paschal lamb, except that they were doing it surreptitiously. They had to hide to find the lambs because the, the Greeks had come in and stopped them under, under Epiphanes, and who was called the abomination of desolation. But they weren't able to produce the oil. Mm. And so when they started the process of burning the oil, they said, we don't got enough oh. oil to light this, to do the ceremonies we need to do, to re-sanctify the sanctuary that's here, but we're gonna step out in faith and do it. And God provided them a lamb, the lambs to do it with, the, the pure lambs that they needed, and the oil burned for eight days. That's why they celebrated. And I think we're in many, in many ways in similar times at this very moment that we have all of these decrees that have been made by tyrannically minded individuals who have no idea what they're touching on. They have no idea of the freedoms they're touching on. All they view themselves as is our leaders mm -hmm. instead of our representatives. And they're making these decrees as if they were, the default position of humanity is oppression and is tyranny. We have a nation that's default position is freedom. Right. And the individual raised above the will and the desire of the state, so much so that the state has to have a just reason to even exist. assault the individual. Yeah. So, so we are today facing the same exact thing and need to do the same exact movement of ourselves saying we're not going to have this. We are going to reconstitute the sanctuary of what's set before us just exactly like Judas uh, uh, did in, you know, the good Judas. Judas Maccabees, right? Whose real name was Hesmonian. So, so, and that created the Hesmonian dynasty 
which literally stayed in, in, in uh, Israel up until the time that uh, Antipater was put into power by Pompey, and it was completely changed the dynasty right. of what was there and corrupted it to what happened. But for another hundred and something years, the strength was there because there was a desire to have the purity of what was originally given to them. I really believe we're reaching the point in our nation of the tipping point. Mm -hmm. um, and in this tipping point, we kind of sense it, a lot of energy is being expended uh, on the against God, but also in favor of God. A lot yeah. of prayer has gone up, a lot of energy is there. And I, I see the next uh, period of time between today, which is December 14th, as we're recording this, and the 21st of January, as being a period of time when great things are going to happen. God's going to show his hand. And one of the one day is particularly in that period of time that stands out to me is next Monday, which happens to be the winter solstice, mm -hmm. and happens to be the period of time when Jupiter and Saturn are in a position that they haven't been in for eight hundred years. Why don't you comment on that for a second? Yeah, one of the one of the things about the con, the conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn, this is the closest it's been. It's within one point of a degree. The ironic thing is throughout history. You can you can go up on the internet. You can download a a particular um, app that'll give you the ability, a program that'll give you the ability to look at any time in history of the sky at any time in history. And you can go down throughout history, and you can go back, and you can start at the the birth of Abraham, uh, the birth of Moses, the birth of Christ. All of these great events, but not only those great events, but great events coming down through history from them, and see this lining up of Jupiter and Saturn. And the reason that this was considered uh, important because Jupiter represented the king-making stars, what they what they used to call it, Jupiter the king star. And so we have we have those two stars which are lining up closer than they've been in 800 years. 1226. Yeah, 1226. So we are we are looking at things happening in the heavens. You can't you can't disregard what the scripture said that he put the stars in the sky for, which was for signs and times. So we are in the middle of a real time of decision. Just like the scripture says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. We are in the moment of the valley of decision. We have to decide we can have the valley of decision and make the right decision. Or as it says in Joel, that which the canker worm left, the palmer worm ate, that which the palmer worm left, the caterpillar ate. We could have that destruction, or we can have the rising up of people who've made a decision are not going to be bent. They're not going to move. They're going to make a stand. And that's one of the things that de Tocqueville said when he came to America in his, in his book he wrote, Democracy in America. He said he looked all over America for why its greatness was. He said he looked in his halls of government, and he said the place he found the greatness of America was in the churches. And that's because of what the British called the Black Road uh, Brigade. The Black Road Brigade, they said they feared more than anybody else. And that was the preachers who preached liberty. <laughs> they said they feared them more than anybody else. And we're talking about the greatest mercenary force in the world. The Hessians were afraid of these preachers preaching, the, preaching from their pulpit the gospel and preaching freedom. Because they were preaching to the heart of man. Yeah, they're preaching the heart of man. spirits were raised up. Well, um, we need to bring our podcast to a close, but 
Um, we trust that you're hearing things on these podcasts that you won't hear anyplace else. And we'd like you to share them with your friends uh, to come to uh, papatomstales.com or uh, those where the podcasts are, are uh, posted, as well as um, Charisma Podcast Network or cpnshows.com and put in the Father's heart. Because we really believe, Dave and I both are in agreement, that an historical event is going to happen on December 21st. And it's going to be the raising up of shepherd kings the way God had originally intended leaders to be. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your time.